0: they can't go on. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 2nd of February 2009. For those newcomers who always come into the show, every time I'm on, I advise them to go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com. That's the website where I try to give you the histories of the big system in which we live and how it got to be this way. And I try to show you, again giving you shortcuts, how there are big associations totally intertwined with each other which bypassed any idea of democracy at the very beginning. And we have unlimited funding, foundations galore, many front dummy organizations across the whole planet. They've financed the universities, they finance the sciences in the right directions, Always the same directions, mind you. And they know where they're going, where they want to take the whole planet. These are the same foundations and people behind them that used to call themselves eugenicists openly. In the early nineteen hundreds you had eugenic societies funded by these same people. Now they hide behind the foundations and philanthropy. But they're doing good for the planet. Meanwhile they're simply carrying out an agenda worldwide and we are living through this next phase a complete revolution. It is a revolution to take over the entire planet into a system that's familiar to us, but they don't use the same terms. Therefore people are confused, they don't really understand it. They think it's a world economic system. Terms like that are thrown out, but it's actually a world communism. Run by a small elite at the top, the same way as the Soviet Union was run, and the same way that China is still run today. Just omit the terms, and the people, the public never catch on. It's so simple, so simple. And we are now in the trap. And the trap has been sprung, and everybody across the whole planet, every politician, every leader across the world is on board on track together. It took a long time to prepare this and they're pulling it off as we live right now. Also look into Alan Watt's for transcripts which you can download off these particular talks I've given in the past print them up and they're written in the various languages of Europe. I should remind you all too that you bring me to you because that's the only thing that keeps me going. I don't ask for money from any of the shows I'm on. Therefore the listeners support me, and you can go into cuttingswithmatrix.com and either donate, that keeps me going, or you can buy what I have up there for sale and you'll find information very interesting because we've been conned our whole lives. We're still being conned, again, with the use of incredible science, science of the complete understanding of human nature, right down to how opinions are formed and how to make sure that everyone gets the same opinion. There's a science behind it. We find big players who understood this science in the past talked about it. Brzezinski talked about it. He says people will come to conclusions and opinions and never know how they arrived at them. They'll think they do, but they don't reason them out. They get downloaded by the media that is itself worked by these particular sciences and also through education. Education was so fundamental to create a global society, a world society. Last Friday I talked about Julian Huxley, who was a top eugenicist, who was the first director general for UNESCO. Read all you can about UNESCO and what he talked about when he set it up. It's all being completed. Now, back after these messages with more... through the matrix this last while I've been giving you insights into how whole societies are managed how propagandists basically under different names of course marketing strategists and so etc. It gave us the culture working with the CIA and I've given the references in the books to get a hold of that have now allowed to be published it's always way after the fact but don't forget they're still controlling the culture the culture you live in was given to you. Because, again, money and those in all of the arts are directed in which direction to go. And the public follow suit thinking is developing by itself. Back in the 1800s and early 1900s when Julian Huxley and others in the eugenicist movement were on the go, they were all in agreement about all the same things and that was population reduction and the right for a scientific elite to come in and take over the entire world and run it the way that they thought it should be run. To run it without any superstition of religion, as they said. So therefore, religion had to be knocked out. Julian Huxley actually said in a book that I read from last week, his own book, uh, that uh, religion was okay, but the God part would have to be removed from it. Because after all, what he didn't say was, they inferred it, they could have no competition. These are going to be your new gods, and they are your new gods. And how did that all happen? It didn't take that long. These guys work in centuries, remember, but it didn't, didn't take long at all to go through the 20th century and bring us all down to a system, a system which is actually called secular humanism. You see, everyone out there doesn't realize it. We've all had our indoctrination from school and through television and all nature programs and all the propaganda and that's what it is, propaganda to become secular humanists. It's a science. Creating a culture is a science where everyone will think and say the same things as Brzezinski said. Whatever is thrown out to us is what we prattle on about and we're even given always two sides of things. Knowing will always come to the same side eventually the whole point is to get us talking about what they want us to talk about. That's part of culture creation. I think at Christmas there was a well-publicized case, I think, from Switzerland, where an elderly person had asked for euthanasia, and this particular group obliged, and they televised it, and all over the world, it's definitely in Britain and some places, Pensioners would, were watching that and thinking it was, it was a wonderful thing to die with dignity, and that's what they called it. And of course, what they didn't get at all was this is all a move to allow government, and about world government too, because they're all one already. They're all on board. Government wants the right to see who lives and who dies. And remember what they've already said under sustainability at the United Nations. A good citizen, a good world citizen... As a good producer and consumer. When you stop producing, you're just a consumer, and that's not very sustainable. So people better start thinking when they go along with these things. They never think things through to where they're supposed to go. Again, Brzezinski said the public will expect their media to do the reasoning for them, and that, unfortunately, has happened as well. We are in a secular humanist society, There is no opposition to this. Religion was under attack for an awful long time by these particular groups, even for a few centuries. And there's no opposition left to them. And now they have a secularized society who have adopted the humanistic terminology, viewpoints, and so on. And yet if you ask them how they got to that conclusion or those conclusions, they tell you they can't really remember. It's from a thousand maybe 10,000 articles and news bites. That's where it comes from. That's where your opinions all come from. That's how simple it is for those who control the media to do what they do. Do you know, the Rothschilds bought over Reuters, I think in the late 1800s. They then bought over AMP, I think it was, A- it was the, the UPI, or, or no, sorry, AP, AP News as well, Associated Press. And those are the two main sources for all information across the planet. Everyone parrots that. And in the U.S., the foundations were started up by Rothschilds. In the United States, it was the Rockefellers who still run it today. And they fund thousands of other organizations across the world and many front dummy foundations as well. They can funnel money through to other organizations. Really, this revolution is in the open today. They're out in the open. And only can they come out now and tell us what they really want when they have us in secular humanism. We accept it. Remember, part of it, too, is the creation of apathy. From the Sunday Times, February the 1st, 2009, two children should be the limit, says Green Guru. But well, Green Gurus now, you see. Even the title... Makes you think of some sort of holy man, this new religion, the greening. Say the green man of Freemasonry. Check that out, see how far back that goes. And the rules of nature. This is by Sarah Kate Templeton, health editor. Couples who have more than two children are being irresponsible by creating an unbearable burden on the environment, the government's green advisor has warned. They're using the same tactics they used in China. Now, remember, China was to be the model state, according to the UN, for the world. And that's what they said in China. You were antisocial if you had another child. You were taking the food from other people. Now, they're using the same technique and saying it's unsustainable. You're being irresponsible because you're creating an unbearable burden on the environment. Porritt, who chairs the government's Sustainable, Sustainable Development Commission, says curbing population growth through contraception and abortion must be at the heart of policies to fight global warming. It's right out in the open now. See, we've not been dying off fast enough. We've been getting poisoned, injected, and, all, and sterilized. i have gone through all of that stuff, that documentation. But it's not fast enough for them. And it's, it's almost like, you know, the the hunting pack going in for the kill now, they're right out in the open because they know they have no opposition. The people are so apathetic they'll accept anything now. He says political leaders and green campaigners, you know, all these NGOs, should stop dodging the issue of environmental harm caused by an expanding population. Now, the, the same United Nations comes out every year and they tell us that the populations of Europe and the Americas, especially the US and Canada, have been dropping, and hence the need for increased immigration to pay off the debt. It's accumulated. That's the excuse it's given. So any expanding population is part of the agenda. Written about over 100 years ago. To report by the Commission to be published next month, will say that governments must reduce population growth through better family planning. You know what that means. I am unapologetic about asking people to connect up their own responsibility for their total environmental footprint. Environmental footprint. We know where we should take your particular footprint, don't you? And how they decide to procreate and how many children they think they are appropriate. They think are appropriate, Porritt said. So that's from your Green. Now, every government department now has a Green guru, this big dictator, the greening. And I've told you before, if you thought the previous religions were bad, down through history. ain't seen nothing you ain't seen nothing yet as to what's coming down nothing at all there's also this article that ties right in with it and it's to do with the economy the world economy from the Herald Tribune International Herald Tribune in fact, global edition of the New York Times, partly. And from Davos, 2009, Is Europe's Welfare System a Model for the 21st Century? By Catherine Benhold, published January 27th, 2009. Davos, Switzerland, along with skiing and parking into the night, Europe bashing has long been a favorite sport when the world's business and political elites gather here for their once-a-year winter smooth-fest. This is for the World Economic Forum, the W-E-F, which is few backwards, is for the few who own the planet, basically. But this year, many of the critics have fallen conspicuously silent as top executives, government leaders, and a wide range of experts gathered Tuesday for the World Economic Forum to talk about the challenges facing the battered global economy the question many were asking was this, could the much maligned social welfare system in Europe end up being the model for the twenty first century? The top of global a global system here. In the United States, the global stock market route has wiped out trillions of dollars in retirement savings and rising unemployment, is leaving more people without health insurance. In response, officials in the administration of President Barack Obama have been busy studying the Swedish bank bailout of the nineteen nineties and the switch the Swiss and Dutch healthcare systems. On the environmental front, officials have been quietly contemplating whether Europe's high fuel taxes and carbon trading system are the right way to limit the burning of fossil fuels that contribute. And here's the, here's the punch that the repetition, you know, weapons of mass destruction that contributes to global warming, which still hasn't been proven yet, you see. It for China, where the demise of the American market has brought to light the perils of ex- excessive savings at home. The government has not only re- recently proposed a big Keynesian-style stimulus program, but has also announced a three-year plan to provide universal health care. Well, they already have a system in China for universal health care, but it only does one thing, for those who've studied it. Another UN charter member that says that eventually everyone will have the minimum, the minimum health care available worldwide. And that's what they mean by it, minimum. And it won't be you asking for help. It will be them telling you what you must do. Maybe a little snip here and there. I'll be back with more on this topic from this article after this break. And you've already noticed, I'm sure, that every major leader from every country is is giving the same speech. We're all global now, and they always tie it in with global warming and and all the tariffs have to come, all these tariffs and taxes to do with global warming and carbon footprints and all that. What's the chances of a depression suddenly being kicked off, financial depression worldwide, while the same boys who run the banks and caused the depression, and are still up and running with no problem at all with the big foundations they own, pushing for this global taxation and the fact that we all have to live according to ecology, to to nature, the proper way, not too many people. And after all, we are post-industrial, aren't we? These guys know exactly what they're doing. What's, What's the chances in a free society that people would be because trying to increase the burden on the public when they've just lost their economy. Why would they be doing that? Well, it's to intensify it into the next phase. That's what I'm saying. We're going through a revolution, a long-planned revolution, where everyone will be in service to a world state. And money is just the means to get you there. Big boys at the top don't need money. But it's important that we believe in it. Because we work for it, you see. We're trained to work for it. This author says, this journalist says, when the world's biggest economy and the world's biggest emerging economy look for lessons in the same place at the same time, you know something is up, said Kenneth Rogoff, a professor at Harvard and former chief economist of the International Monetary Fund. That's a bunch, along with the Bank for International Settlements that quickly said was at the top of this pyramid this big foundation scam across the planet in the new feudal system that he talked about that we're bringing in it is a feudal system where the CEOs of these big foundations and so on you know the ones with intelligence and scientific backgrounds have the right to plan the world for us and what you do in it that's what it's all about who is one of the two and a half thousand participants in Davos this year Davos, we're seeing a paradigm shift towards a more European a more social state then goes through some of the, the history to make this all seem real the Great Depression in the 30s ushered in the Keynesian style uh, side policies and of course I went through uh, Keynes and the fact that there was Keynes part two as far as Bretton Woods went because they talked about the next one being necessary to bring in the next part of the system and he actually hoped eventually there'd be no need for money eventually when it would all serve this world system that's how far back it goes we're just living through a script here then the oil price shocks in the 1970s, well there was no shortage of oil in the 70s at all the US were making demands to make sure that everyone traded in petrodollars petrodollars and have changed in the last 15 years or so, 10 years to the euro and that's what all this is about today at the opening of the 2008 World Economic Forum, a front page article in the International Herald Tribune suggested that global capitalism was again ripe for such a generational transformation. Amongst the worst financial crisis since the Depression, that transformation is now in full swing. The whole swaths of the banking sector being propped up by trillions of dollars in taxpayer funds, that's called looting, and hundreds of billions more being dedicated to deficit finance public spending, programs across the world the most striking feature so far is the comeback of big government oh yeah because they said they'd have to have a massive government many of those in the inside at the top a long time ago 1920s talked about this phase of it massive government you need a a small fascist few at the top you see and the massive communistic style bureaucracy to run the rest of the public that was all written about long ago in this agenda by those at the top. You know, the, the ones who are more advanced, they're, they're more evolved than the rest of us. In the United States, the world's largest, most emblematic market economy, the surge in the growth of the government is going to be financed by a huge increase in borrowing, projected to grow as much as 10% of gross domestic product this year into 2010 from 3% last year. And of course, don't forget 2010, uh, the US and Canada and Mexico, and maybe even Chile will come in, are to be totally merged. In fact, they'll use this as part of the reason for the, the final merger. We're going to be completely integrated. 2001 started off Fortress America, integration of security systems and data sharing. And this is the next part, is total integration. It says, we're moving back towards a mixed economy, said so Daniel Juergen, chairman of Cambridge Energy Research Associates in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and co-author of The Commanding Heights. A history of the last such paradigm shift, one towards wider acceptance of a market-driven economy. The new shift is likely to go well beyond expensive short-term fixes. The firm suggests that ultimately the United States may move closer to Europe. but well, we know they're going to combine us with Europe because that's part of the agenda. I've read the articles. The Prime Minister of Canada has also mentioned that too. Once you have the unification of the Americas, we must be, we then unite with the European bloc. And you also find that in Karl Marx's writings in the 1800s, despite coincidence, of course. That is altering the trickle-down economic doctrine of the past three decades and establishing a new social contract, a new social contract, a new deal, you see, aimed at narrowing the gap between rich and the rest of society. This is only flatten all of society except for those at the top. That was also part of their deal, because they hated the middle classes, hated them with passion, through all their writings. Obama, who called for a watchful eye on the market in his inaugural speech last week, wants to make a health insurance available to all Americans. Remember, that to be the big stick because we use the health industry to run your life and your procreation, too, by the way. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. And We're cutting through the matrix Going through the World Economic Forum And getting little snippets from them We know the agenda We've been, I've been talking about the agenda for years And spelling it out for people Before it happens And truly, when you've read all the books Well, at least the ones you can get your hands on And nothing surprises you You expect it How else do you take over a planet? You do it incrementally Incrementally, very slow, Fabian style And... When you have the right populations all brainwashed, the right generation brainwashed to the maximum, then you can do anything with them. They have created apathy across the planet, an essential ingredient, according to Bertrand Russell, to bring all this about. We're easily led, then. We ask for help from the guys who abuse us. It's that simple. It says here, as Pascal Lamy, Director General of the World Trade Organization, and another Devas regular, put it, it's a cultural, listen, it's a cultural revolution. Revolution. What was it that Carl Quigley said the purpose of wars is to alter the cultures on both sides? Then it says here at the end, and i are giving you clues all along the way, it is no coincidence that this revolution, 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 revolution is unfolding simultaneously in the United States and China, analysts say. Quite something, isn't it? And then you tie it in. As I say, they're on a roll now, you see, but they're hitting us with the same, their real agenda, the real agenda from every quarter, constantly. And they're not going to let up. There's going to be daily articles turned out for us to prattle on about. And people will come to the correct conclusions. They always do in every society, in every age. They give us the proper things to believe, and we believe properly. That's what Charles Ford said. It's a science. This is from the BBC. Monday the 2nd, February 2009. Population, the elephant in the room. And this is viewpoint by John Feeney, who's an environmentalist, doesn't say much about this guy, but I guarantee you he's a frontman for one of the big organizations, like W-O-A. W-O-A. We'd look into that one, because his terminology is exactly the same as sputted out from the Department of Population Control in United Nations. Uncontrolled population growth threatens to undermine efforts to save the planet. Save the planet, you see, warns John Feeney. In this week's Green Room, the Green Room, you see, the Green Man, the Green Room, he calls on the environmental movement to stop running scared of this controversial topic. So he's appealing to all the brainwashed groups that they've created and set up there with all the radicals in them, the ones that are petrified that the world's ending tomorrow. That's the worst kind to they have. They're fanatics, you see. He says it's the great taboo of environmentalism, the size and growth of the human population. And they give you a picture I think it's of a train station, probably in Bombay. It has a profound impact on all life on Earth, yet for decades it has been conspicuously absent from public debate. Well, what would it really mean is we're not talking about it enough at the bottom level. And they want us to talk about it so that when they introduce the ideas that we will adopt, it will all seem quite natural to us. See, that's how it works. Very simple. Most natural scientists, natural scientists—I guess there's unnatural ones out there too—in that case, agree. Our growing numbers and our unchecked impact on the natural environment move, us inexorably, towards global calamities of unthinkable severity. It's funny that because I watched a, a a video where Mr. Rockefeller or Mr. Rockefeller was was talking on about this very thing as Huxley was a hundred years ago and, and so on. Same, same thing, it's just never changed. How a species of animals can outgrow its food supply, and then another species moves in to take over, etc., etc., and they liken it to fields and flowers and what moves in and what moves out different times, etc., etc. It's that simple to these guys, apparently. Mind you, these same guys have the controlling shares, and the five agri-food businesses have taken over the world's food supply, so they will bring they will bring, again to you, a food crisis upon us as part of the plan. They always get the victim to blame himself. And it works. Works beautifully. It says here, the degree the need to address population has become desperate. Yet many environmentalists, these are special people, environmentalists, you understand. You belong to an environmental group. And suddenly you're holy. You're a holy person. And you're all green. The greener the better. You're very, very hot. Whatever you say is like is like a guru from God speaking. They avoid the subject it says a few objecting strongly to any focus on numbers. Some activists insist acting to influence population growth infringes on human rights. They maintain that it's best to leave the problem alone. So he's telling them to change their tone, you see. He says, Let's dispense with this confused notion right now. Yes, there have been past abuses in the name of population control, so admits that part. He says, there have been abuses of health care and education too. Well, he knows that too, since his cohorts have been in the act of giving us education and abusing us, and the healthcare as well. But the idea of reacting by abandoning any of these causes is absurd, he says. We can learn from past abuses, reducing the likelihood of fresh problems arising in the future. In fact, those working on population issues have done so. He realized we are all playing and watching the Rose Bowl when the economy is collapsing, we're being sterilized, and they're talking about coming pandemics, and all the right—all these terror-fearful things, and no food, people are watching the Rose Bowl. That means that the mercury intake, which has been disclosed today on their, in their brain, has worked. To continue with this article, though, it says, Today they recognize that the methods with the best track records of reducing population growth are, by their nature, respectful. And promoting of human rights. You understand, calling your numbers, calling you down, is promoting human rights. There's your Orwellian doublespeak right there. This is what Orwell's work was, warnings about guys like this guy. And check into him, do our search, and find out who funds him. Maybe, well, maybe you, you won't be surprised. It says here, they include educating girls and women in developing countries to help empower them. We've heard all this terminology for years now. Empower them. This is achieved by providing more options using media strategies to make them aware. Propaganda is media strategies propagandizing Bernays again to make them aware of alternatives regarding family sizes and family planning. What he's not saying is guys like this guy, you know, have decided you, you're going to have small families where like it or not, or none at all, in fact. They prefer none at all. Look at our societies. They've been demolished because we've had a hundred years' war on us. Everyone's dysfunctional. The family was a major obstacle for them getting in their way, in fact. Well, look around you. Look around you. It says those who oppose talking about the world's population are obstructing the further provision of such services, services and resources. The last chance saloon fundamentally, they like fundamentals and foundations because they back them. We need to ask, what is the greater threat to human welfare, the possibility that humane efforts to address population growth might be abused, or our ongoing failure to act to prevent hundreds of millions, even billions, dying as a result of global ecological collapse? Economy, ecology, study them all. They're all the same. Go into the banker's philosophy, their religion, and ask, who Malthus worked for, and how they came at the conclusions, to their conclusions. He it says, it's no far-fetched possibility. Increasingly, environmental scientists insist we have overshot the Earth's carrying capacity. You see? This is, this is their, 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 their problem. I believe they are right. The proof is, is everywhere, he says, our inability to live as we do, at our current numbers without causing pervasive environmental degradation is the very definition of carrying capacity overshoot. Who who runs the foundations? Look at the families. Look at the factories and the the systems they've owned owned over the last hundred years. Who caused all the degradation? Who owns the farms today? And you'll see the same names and same families running the foundations are telling us it's our fault. Astonishing, isn't it? Overshoot we know, is followed by population decline, as we've learned from other species. And this is the same thing that Huxley went on about three quarters of his book, telling you how it affects other species from ants to worms and everything else, and then lumps us along the same category. See, so this manifests itself initially with a crash. Oh, for humanity, this portends a potential cataclysm exceeding anything in our history. ooh. Our chance to avert such an outcome depends on our ability to address our numbers before nature reduces them for us. There's no other way out. Merely reducing per capita consumption, for instance, won't do it. I mean, it's starving us to death. No. That, that, that alone won't do it. After all, per capita consumption levels multiply with population size to determine our total resource consumption. It says, just look at the data from the Global Footprint Network. or of the size shoes they are. It says, the estimate that we'll remain an overshoot Unless we also address the population, we should get smaller boots. Solutions do not spring from silence. We must bring population back to the centre of public discussion. That means through Bernays' techniques, through all media, which this is part of, what I'm reading right here. We need to break through the taboo to encourage not just a few voices, but all those with relevant expertise to speak out on the subject loudly and often. More propaganda, constant propaganda. Recently I wonder what would happen if all the scientists never everyone else considered a scholar of the population issue spoke out all at once. Would it help to weaken the taboo now shackling the subject, pushing it closer to centre stage? Would it bring the matter enough attention to begin generating new or more widespread solutions? Might it prompt a deeper examination of her ecological plight? The Global Population Speak Out campaign, this is what they're calling it, you see, Massive propaganda, well-funded by the same old players, has brought together over 100 voices from 19 countries all pledging to speak out publicly on the population issue throughout the month of February 2009. So you're going, get, you're going to get these articles. That's why it's all coming out at once, the same pablum, everywhere. And the media that's owned by the same big media boys, big foundation boys, is going to make sure you get your, nothing but the same propaganda until you're all prattling it. And you'll go through stores and go to restaurants and cafes and you'll hear everybody prattling about the same stuff and get it to the conclusions without ever reasoning them through, with no background history on these people at all. And they'll be all for it. Well, I guess there's just too many of us. You know, people should read or see the movie by Monty Python. I think Terry Gilliam wrote it. And it was called The Meaning of Life. And see the first part of it when they come in your door in this comedy to demand your liver, to get your liver from you. And the technique they use on... On, on the wife of the victim is to try to get her liver as well to be her feel so small and insignificant she says oh well, okay then this is the same technique and comedy can show you so much more because they can say so much more without being attacked. Play something and here's another thing it's not bad enough you see that, that we have been Getting the the phthalates and uh, bisphenol A and so on from baby food, the last 50 years right up to the present through all kinds of foods, and we're pretty well sterile, according to to the major uh, people who, who watch our population, and they admit it. That hardly a guy out there has uh, workable sperm. It's all it's all dysfunctional, basically. Doesn't know where it's going, just like the people themselves. But we're not dying fast enough. We're not becoming infertile fast enough. Because the big boys have planned this, and we must be altered and shaped and hammered to fit the timetable. That's why they want, this is why this rule is on now. They're not content to wait and go over their, their time limit that was probably arranged 100 years ago. They're forcing it through now. So they've been sterilizing us along, all along the way. Why haven't we been reacting to it? Why, why? Well, here's an article here. Just now released, by the way. In major media. It's been talked about in other media, but it's major media. It says studies find mercury in high fructose corn syrup, which is in many products. It's in almost everything, by the way. Mercury. You wonder why we're all kinda of dim? We don't react to anything. And it says this is from the, the Washington Post. "There's another new reason to read all your food labels and stay away from high fructose corn syrup. You can, it's in everything. It's in candy, it's in bread, it's in everything. It says reports that two new U.S. studies have done tests on the high fructose corn syrup. They call it HFCS, found in everyday products in American households, and found that half contained mercury. I've, I've told people before, and I really mean it when I say it, you don't realize that total warfare has been practiced on you your entire lives. These accidents are no accidents. They don't happen as accidents. They knew the effects of mercury, bisphenol A, and the phthalates back in the late 1800s. Well documented, and have gone through the documentation. It says the mercury was in nearly a third of 55 popular brand-name food and beverage products, where HFCS is the first or second-highest-labeled ingredient, according to two new U.S. New US studies, says the Post. The chemical was found most commonly in HFCS, containing dairy products, dressings, and condiments. Representatives from the industries that make the foods with HFCS say the studies are based on outdated information because they're saying they use mercury-free versions now, really, really. Do you know they were using the mercury stuff all along in all the processed foods? That's in all the soft drinks, too, by the way. That's why they promote soft drinks. To the young, it's best to get mercury to the young first, because they really uptake it fast in their brains. to a dumb population. Either way, HFCS isn't good for you, says here, and should be avoided, but HFCS can be found places you'd never suspect, like yogurt, breakfast bars, some next-to-step infant formulas, ketchup, and of course, soda, and countless other items. So to be sure to read all labels before giving any foods to children pregnant women. It says here, the nervous system is very sensitive to all forms of mercury. Well, yeah, they know that. Mercury, by the way, is interesting because it's, 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 that's the patron. That's the saint of merchants, mercenaries, and thieves. Mercury is the messenger. We all get the message. whether well, you know it or not, we've all had it. They brought us the message in our food. This metal mercury... And metallic mercury vapors are more harmful than other forms because more mercury in these forms reaches the brain. Well, you see, that's what they've been using on all of these foods. They've been using this stuff to treat the foods. And they've got these high contents of mercury in them. It's just astonishing. Astonishing. It's also in the, so that was the WashingtonPost.com. The it even goes through how it's made. I never knew that myself. They don't really publish this stuff much as to how they make it. It's all in the processing system they use. They used to use also hydrochloric acid and caustic soda. Caustic soda and hydrochloric acid. But it's it's actually scary how, how they've done it the bad news is that nobody knows whether or not their soda or snack food contains HFCS made from ingredients like caustic soda contaminated with mercury. The good news is that mercury-free ingredients exist, well they just don't label them. Food companies just need to push to get these good ingredients, it says. It's really for that. We'll be back with more after this break. We're cutting through the matrix, giving you the bad news, because there's lots of bad news out there. It's bad enough when you wake up and realize that everything around you is a con. And you've been guided by very high powers coordinated, networking together towards a definite goal, all on the same agenda. And you have been doing it your whole life long, and your parents and your grandparents too, and probably before that as well. But total war is total war. You always go for the food. Either kill the people quickly, or you can dumb them down. You can do all of that. There's plenty of samples in history of food being used and odd things added to it to dumb people down. But it's interesting too that the you know the food administration groups and so on are all denying it. Oh, it have changed now. However, let's go back to the the study here. Wednesday, January 28th, 2009, from WashingtonPost.com. Almost half of tested samples, this is present, of commercial high fructose corn syrup contained mercury. This is present ter- present tense, even though they're claiming well, they don't do it anymore. You can't believe these liars, can you? Which was also found in nearly a third of 55 popular brand-name food and beverage products, where HFCS is the first or second highest labeled ingredient, according to two new U.S. studies. replaced sugar, this HFCS, has replaced sugar as a sweetener in many beverages and foods such as breads, cereals, breakfast bars, lunch meats, yogurts, soups, and condiments. What do they have everyone on today? Fast food. Canned food. It's all processed foods. So on average, Americans consume about 12 teaspoonfuls per day of HFCS teens and other high consumers can take in 80% more exactly the target group they're after HFCS than average because the, the uptake of mercury into the brain is much faster when you're young this is total war you don't make these mistakes they stopped using mercury as a treatment for syphilis at the beginning of the 1900s they had all of its toxic effects well understood and labelled and here they are the big boys who took over the food industry giving us all mercury and we've all got it some more than others but we've all got it since mercury is toxic in all its forms given how much high fructose corn syrup is consumed by children it could be a significant additional source of mercury never before Considered. Who's kidding who? Who is kidding who? How come we have all these different agencies to protect us and they get poisoned like this? The same agencies that allowed the phthalates and so on to go through for donkey's years as we all became neutered. But then you look who's on the board of, of the FDA and all the rest of them, same in every country. It's the guys who work for the big corporations and pharma that just come over from one corporation and jump on this this one that's going to protect us. I always think of Huxley too, where he talked about using drugs and everything on the public to get them through this period, you know, into scientific dictatorship. He says, "What's wrong with drugging the people? What's wrong with it? Well, why not just lower their IQ? They'll never figure anything out then. They won't even respond or react." To start to answer a lot of questions for you. When you see those dull eyes out there. Well, from Hamish myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night, and may your God, all your gods, go with you.